Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 498th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers. Uh, excuse me, I shouldn't really say that again. I keep forgetting that I'm no longer with Once a Metro. Uh, I am no longer with SB Nation, so it's just an old habit I'm trying to break out of, so... Uh, just uh, bear with me as I continue to try not to uh, continue to say that. But uh, chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. Um, if you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And as we get ready to move forward, uh, some positive progress uh, when you were talking about the uh, situation with the coronavirus, sounds like um, it just sounds like uh, the numbers right now are going down. It sounds like that everything is starting to work in the favor uh, of all of us that want to attend these games, attend the matches, and all I can say is that is a positive thing, is a welcomed thing, and I am very happy about that. I'm very, very happy that uh, we are seeing everything we can see about this situation uh, involving you know fans coming back to the stadiums outside of Florida and you know outside of you know, some of the things and some of the moments that we've been having with this coronavirus. It is going away, uh, but surely we're not completely out of the woods yet, obviously. But let me just say that I am very happy. I am very, very excited that we will see people back in the stands. And even though it's only 10%, uh, maybe 15% now, reading uh, a statement uh, from Governor Murphy, and of course, uh, reading uh, here in New Jersey, I should say, um, about Red Bull Arena, that, you know, outdoor seating, uh, as of at the moment, originally supposed to be 10%, I think that's more indoor entertainment, as they say, uh, indoor entertainment. We should be uh, happy that we're going to have a certain amount of fans to come inside at all. Excuse me for that. One second. And I think the sneeze is done. So, once again, just very happy. Very, very happy that we are going to get uh, finally... Uh, some people in the seats. I mean, I know in 
Miami and Orlando. Um, Inter Miami Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. They've been they were allowed to have seats to uh, be used. Um, I'm you know over in Orlando City Explorer Stadium, downtown Orlando. They're being allowed. You know they've been allowed to have fans come into their stadium as well. Uh, Dallas has been allowing fans to go into their stadium. Uh, Nashville's allowed to have fans come inside. Uh, for, of course, Nashville SC games, Tennessee Titans, of course, for the NFL. So mostly the southern states have been allowed to use these uh, these seats, but, you know, not everywhere else. So we still have to remain strong and vigilant, but let's just be happy and be grateful we do have fans coming in, uh, being allowed to uh, use the seats at the stadiums, and who knows, maybe we'll get lucky, maybe we'll continue to get lucky, and maybe we'll continue on and get more fans as the season progresses. So let us uh, hope and pray. Let us hope and pray that we're going to get more fans coming in as the season progresses. And, you know, all we need, and it doesn't matter what side of the, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on politically. And, And I try to separate politics from sports. But the truth is, is that it's wonderful. So this is a statement that uh, was by Governor Murphy. Now, once again, I did not get this from Governor Murphy. I got this from the Somerset Patriots, now a part of uh, the New York Yankees minor league affiliates in baseball, because obviously minor league baseball, major league baseball, MLS, you know, NFL, it's outdoors. They suffer the same fate that we have been suffering uh, with soccer. So let me just read this from Somerset Patriots about Governor Murphy for what he's done. It's great to hear Governor Murphy's announcement earlier today regarding allowing 15% capacity at outdoor venues starting March 1st. It is a step in the right direction to safely bring fans back in large numbers to enjoy, obviously, for them baseball and, of course, for us soccer. So let me just give that quote there. If it's 15% for outdoors then you know what? That's great for you. That's great for me. Now, I don't mind mingling with the fans at Red Bull Arena if we will be uh, still in the upper deck. Uh, I don't know if we'll be in the press bo- if I will be in the press box or anyone else will be in the press box, but for now, it is a great, great thing to see and happen. So just remember, remain strong, remain vigilant. Pray that everyone is listening. Keep your masks on. Get your vaccinations we will get through this. We will get through this, and I know we will be strong and safe and everything else going forward with. Now, it looks like – now, you can't tell because you know, there are articles being written about the Kaku situation. As we all know, uh, last week, it looked like uh, that Kaku had a transfer completed. It looked like he was in the gear of that 
Saudi Arabian club. I will not pronounce that name because I don't want to butcher it. But the New York Red Bulls gave a statement. The New York Red Bulls gave a statement to the media in New York and everywhere else because apparently Kaku did not get the international transfer certificate sent to the Saudi Arabian club. This is from the New York Red Bulls, and this is what it pertains. The issue of the provisional ITC does not change the fact that a valid contract exists between Major League Soccer and Kaku. In response to the players' apparent signing with Al Tawun, MLS and the New York Red Bulls have sought to arbitrate the dispute pursuant to Kaku's MLS contract and will take all further necessary action to enforce their rights. What does that mean? Plainly simple, it means this. He's not going unless the Red Bulls get some form of compensation as well as the league. You know, at the end of the day, with this entire three, four years saga, in my opinion, and, you know, I, you know, Kaku, I understand he wants out. I understand it's a world market, and that's fine. That's not a problem, of course. 2019 came. Kaku decided, I've had enough. I want out. I'm, I'm done here. I've had enough after one season of winning the Shield. Kaku decides to go away. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else. Sets up this erroneous deal with Club America in Mexico to transfer there. And I understand Liga MX is a better league within CONCACAF for major leagues in Europe or around the world. But I do understand that Liga MX within within CONCACAF is the better league. No financial restraints whatsoever. But still, why are you leaving after one year? Why are you getting out after one year? So then 2020, you know, he stays in 2019. He does his little shenanigans, obviously the accidental one with the, excuse me, you know, smashing the ball into the Kansas City fan in Kansas City. And all I can say is, is that what he has done since then, you know, he's been a good soldier and whatever it is. In reality, he wanted out. Obviously, the Red Bulls are going to try and find a way to make this work because it looks like he doesn't want to be here anymore. Some Red Bull slash Metro Stars fans would say, you know, who are the worst signings this club's ever brought over? Name me how many players the Red Bulls signed and they didn't do what they were supposed to do here. Right away, they would say Lothar Mateus was a failure of a signing. Rafa Marquez was a failure of a signing. And let me just say this right now. If Kaku is going to be on his way out, which I'm assuming 
They're going to work on something to get it done, to have it happen. I would say right now that Kaku is a lot worse than both Lothar Mateus and Rafa Marquez. And I'll tell you why he's a poor signing. He is a poor signing because he came in demanding to leave Huracan in Argentina to come and play here in New York. Better, better place, better atmosphere, obviously. I'm not saying Argentina is a terrible atmosphere with fans. I'm just saying, you know, the life that you live here in the States, you can have your privacy. Meanwhile, you've got to live in Argentina where everyone's on your butt, including the supporters. And then all of a sudden, he just wants out right away after one year. He thinks he can continent or island hop to a better situation. Listen, there are better places to play in. Obviously, Saudi Arabia is not one of them. But he wanted out. And it looks like after not being able to get out and go to Club America... He just didn't care. Just let me go anywhere. I don't care where I go. Saudi Arabia, fine. I'll play there. You know, obviously philosophy changed with the Red Bulls a little bit more than normal. But still, still, he was the big picture in this situation. And unfortunately, he couldn't see it. I understand that these contracts are not worth the paper it's printed on. I understand that completely. But you would like to think you should be here with a little more heart and a little more passion than just a, uh, you know, a quick hit and run. This is still a growing league, you know. Still a growing league. But once again... If you are not going to be here for the real reasons, then what's the point of coming here? You should have just stayed in Argentina and let someone else scout him. You had to move to a higher profile league. Not saying MLS is a higher profile league, but within CONCACAF it is. And all I can tell you is that Everything that he did is wrong and terrible. Fans had enough. Fans have spoken. They've had enough. Go ahead, leave. We don't want you anymore. And that's the problem. When you're not worth it anymore, then you're not worth it. And I think Kaku in my opinion, for the New York Red Bulls, is now officially the worst signing the club has ever made. Because his heart was not in it from the start. Well, ladies and gentlemen, i got a great show for you tonight. We're going to have on Mr. Paul Nicholson. He's the head coach of the King's Hammer Club that will make the jump from a uh, youth academy club into USL League Two. But joining me first, some news in USL Championship. Indy 11 are heading back home. They're heading back to the mic. And to talk about that tonight, Kevin Johnston, the managing editor of Sock Takes over in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's going to be a lot of fun to see that club back in its proper place. 
Kevin, how are you, and how's it going tonight? I'm doing excellent, Daniel. How are you doing, man? Doing very good, very good. Uh, hopefully, everything in Indiana is doing very well. Uh, no issues, and all everything's going down uh, coronavirus-wise, and uh, we can get back into talking and having some fun about this wonderful game. Oh, for sure. You're probably in the in the same boat as me out there in, in Y, but at least here in Indiana, it just finally reached above 32 yesterday, I believe. So I can finally feel my lips again. They're no longer falling off my face. So how's the weather been out there in, uh, in Y? There you go. There you go. Yeah, we just got another three inches of snow, so it's not that great again. But what are you going to do? Uh, we're I guess all this uh, Mother Nature's like, now you're going to pay for not having any snow last last winter. So we'll see what happens. But um, Indy 11, going back to the Mike, of course, uh, Mike Carroll Soccer Track and Field Stadium on the campus of IUPUI. Um is this a surprising move, or this was in the plans all along uh, to go back outdoors? I don't think it's incredibly surprising. A lot of the, the hardcore fans especially have been kind of clamoring for this for a while. And um, just to, to give some perspective on, on how old this stadium is, it was you know, built in 1982, which I was born in 1982, and uh, you've seen how much gray hair I have. That, that's probably not a good sign. Uh, so, yeah, th- so we're talking a 38-, 39-year-old stadium here, and uh, I personally love it. got a lot of special moments um, at the mic, and I understand why they did it. It's, you know, it, there's a bunch of drawbacks to moving back there, but also there were several drawbacks with staying at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, yeah, all in all, it's, it's a uh, very interesting times here in Indy because uh, there's also a big um, 11 park announcement coming up um, as the club said, hopefully by the end of next month, by the end of March. Oh yes. I know those renderings of uh, that fabulous stadium. And uh, was it a hotel, a living uh, residential area? That's a part of it. I mean, uh, when those renderings came out, I was like very ambitious, but I love it. I, I love the, uh, of course, we all know about everything going on with the uh, the city council and the state of Indiana, city council of Indianapolis. You know, they, they wanted the stadium. They wanted to push for it. They wanted to make it big and, and strong and, you know, show that, you know, it's not just uh, Hoosier country in Indiana. It's not just the Pacers. It's not just the Colts. Uh, but it's also in the 11 that will become a very promising club. And so far, you really can't say enough how exciting Indy 11 has been for downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, it's been a boost here to the city for sure. And, I mean, there was an appetite for soccer here. Not a huge one, but a significant one. And, I mean, many people have been scratching their heads for years wondering, you know, why does Indianapolis not have, like, any professional soccer presence really whatsoever and, all the previous attempts had failed, but they didn't have much financial backing behind them and were kind of destined to fail from the jump, I guess you'd say. But, yeah, um, until Indy 11 came along, which they debuted in 2014 at the Mike at Carroll Stadium, and uh, it was kind of a saving grace for a lot of Indianapolis and central Indiana or Indiana as a whole. Um, yeah, there had been just a huge void there, and many were definitely excited to see Indy 11 come around. It's really great. Great to hear that. 
Um, so I remember, of course, the early days when they came to the NASL. Of course, Peter Wilt uh, was part of the uh, front office at that time and, you know, built a great club. And uh, a lot of people filled up the mic really big from first row all the way to the top at the last row. Um, in, in your mind, uh, to have this move made, um, I mean, I mean, obviously, we all know Lucas Oil Stadium is cavernous, uh, really meant for an NFL team. Of course, if the national team ever does come over for a Gold Cup or maybe a World Cup qualifier, I mean, it will be, you know, it, it'll be, you know, proper there. But, you know, many, many ma- magical moments have happened at Mike Carroll Stadium. What can you remember uh, covering the club uh, with those wonderful memories of Indy 11 playing over there? Ooh, that's a great question. So uh, I'm an Indianapolis lifer to those listeners that don't know me. And um, so I even, I have fond memories, as I mentioned earlier, the stadium started operating the year I was born. So um, I didn't get too many, too many early memories, but my first memory of it actually was a soccer memory. The first MLS match I ever attended was the 1997 U.S. Open Cup final. The then Dallas Burn beat D.C. United in in penalties 5-3 that day. Um, with attendance like nine or 10 K. Um, and that was one of my earliest memories. The, the first time I had seen like high level professional soccer in front of my face. So um, that the mic goes way back, even before the 11. Um, as a matter of fact, I saw in 2006, I saw Marion Jones win gold there. Uh, obviously if you've been to the mic, you see the, the track around the stadium and there's a rich, very, very rich uh, track and field history at that stadium. Uh, and as I was saying, yeah, I saw Marion Jones win gold there in the, the USA Track and Field Championships in 2006. And that, that was actually a very weird memory because she was under a lot of heat at that time with the rumors about, you know, possible peds use. And that was like kind of one of the last times that, you know, she really shined, I think. And I remember she got a standing ovation because everything was like unresolved. But yeah, it's just crazy that like I have so many memories even before he was in this stadium. And then of course, to, to tie Indy 11 back in, uh, probably my best soccer memory ever, ever is, um, as you mentioned earlier, our buddy Peter Wilt, who helped bring the team to Indianapolis in the first place. And you never forget when, when a grown man breaks down in front of you in tears. And that was that the 2016 NASL spring season. Uh, the Indy 11 took it. But, um, they had to win by like three goals or whatever. Game of the spring, they went four to one. And I'll never forget it because uh, shout out to Peter Will. I hope he's doing well. Um, but I'd, I'd interviewed Peter Will a couple times over the phone. This was my first year covering the team for the local newspaper here, the Indianapolis Star. And it was a, a great opportunity for me. So I had, anyway, I talked to Peter a couple times on the phone. And um, I was also a season ticket holder the, the year or two previous. And I had talked to him just in the stadium. But anyway, he didn't really like, we hadn't yet put a face to the name. Uh, since I had started covering the team professionally. So he had been, he was like, he finally came up in the press box that day and was like, Peter, I'm Kevin, blah, blah, blah. So he was sitting next to me and he was like, let's sit down. And this is like in the 60th minute with like the season, the season on the line. So definitely will never forget that. Just being able to uh, watch the end of that game with, with Peter Will next to me. And um, that was definitely the highlight, not just at the mic, but in the history of the Indy 11, it's probably the greatest moment. Um, and, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nostalgia at Carroll Stadium at the bike. And, like I said, the hardcore fans, 
uh, myself included. I'm not like I don't necessarily want to go in 2021 and watch a game at Carroll Stadium. You know what I mean? I'm not even the bougie type of fan. I'm not high maintenance, but um, it has so much charm and has so much history that like it's like impossible to hate on the move. So yeah, um, I think everyone's kind of low key excited, despite all the drawbacks of the stadium. I think everyone around here is like low key pretty excited to to go back to the mic. Oh, I think so. If I can ask you this, I mean, nothing against Lucas Oil Stadium, but what were the wrong things about moving the club to Lucas Oil Stadium that you felt uh, that it just wasn't the right deal? So I'd have to start with the turf on this one. When Indy first moved mm-hmm. the mic in 2018, the Lucas Oil Stadium turf was a bit outdated, and they had planned to get, like, new turf pretty soon. So because of that, they were willing to green out the, the football lines on the pitch. And, of course, it wasn't perfect. You could still, you know, see them, but they were faded. It did look a lot better. But um, it, So finally, the Indianapolis Colts got new turf. So Lucas Oil Stadium got this. Uh, and it was really high-quality turf because I remember the Indy 11, their first few games on this new pitch, they actually scored, they averaged like three or four goals a game. And I remember talking to Coach Rennie uh, about it, and he was like, yeah, we and the players, we all love the new turf or whatever. Uh, so anyway, because the turf was so good, I guess, as good as artificial turf can be, um, then the, the CIB, the Capital Improvement Board, that is the, calls all the shots here in Indianapolis, they basically decided they were no longer willing. Um, they, they handle like the operating expenses of this stadium and they no longer were willing to green out the football lines. So eventually, uh, and I, you know, with Sox takes, I see this firsthand. Uh, shout out to our photographer, Robbie Melling, who does a, a phenomenal job shooting all the games. Um, you know, I, so I post his galleries, his wonderful galleries. I put them up, and I see the comments. Oh, those hideous football lines. I mean, some of it you could call like snobbery, but, I mean, it is atrocious. I know um, my wife went to IEPY where the mic is, and uh, studied uh, TCEM, which is Tourism, Convention, and Events Management, something like that. Um, anyway, and I remember I was helping her study for a final one time, and I remember uh, distinctly, because I was kind of shocked, but, and I guess it was a, the opinion of this particular author, but they basically said, like, the most important feature of any performance or any event is the performance area, what, you know, the stage, the field, the court, whatever. And I remember kind of thinking, hmm, you know, but it, like, it's actually common sense, too, because, you know, everyone kind of naturally judges a book by its cover. And so, um, and you just, you cannot get past that. Once, once the CIB made the decision that, hey, you know what, we're not going to bring out these lines anymore, uh, that's essentially saying soccer isn't a priority around here or to us, you know, um, to the Capital Improvement Board. Uh, we're going to make this clear that soccer takes a back seat. And you know what? I mean, it's, it's probably not fair to compare the Indy 11 to the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, you know, one is in the NFL. Um, if you look at, obviously, like the net worth of each franchise, they're not even comparable. But so, like, I mean, one could argue that maybe the Indy 11 should have taken the back seat. But whatever the case, whatever your opinion, the CIB made it clear that uh, the Indy 11 were second fiddle, you know, at the stadium. And they weren't going to bend over backwards or make any special concessions to enhance experience. So, uh, once the CIB decided that, I think it, it's smart for the Indy 11 because even even with all the problems the Mike has, it's still you know there's no football on. It is artificial turf, not grass. So 
probably not the most perfect pitch in the world, but uh, it's just a place that they can call home. It's like, you know, this is our true home rather than, hey, you know, we're just here a guest in this big old Indianapolis Colts facility. So, yeah, um, in that regard, I, I think it's definitely the right move to go back to the mic. And I agree. I, I think it is the right move. Um, I mean, obviously, Lucas Oil Stadium's trying to fill in some dates, uh, hoping that uh, everyone from Indianapolis comes over, you know, fills it up, you know, give the workers some extra days and stuff. I mean, you know, eight home games in an NFL season, plus you hope you make the playoffs. Not enough uh, for them, but still, though, they make tons and tons of money, uh, you know, with revenue and, and shirts and everything else going on. And the truth is, and I, you know, I agree with you, and I agree with the supporters for uh, Indy 11. It's time to get out of Lucas Oil, go back to the mic. Should have just stayed there, period. And, of course, as you said, the new stadium is coming very, very soon. And all I can say is, uh, Kevin, is that this has done a lot for the Midwest, obviously, for downtown Indianapolis. And very soon, like you just said, you're just waiting for an announcement to when they're going to start breaking ground for the brand new stadium, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the the club just announced, I believe in January, maybe December, but they said that expect by the end of, of March, 2021, uh, we're going to announce the specific site of Leather Park. So the, the local, uh, the local government here has uh, like essentially passed the legislation stating the the parameters are, you can choose anywhere in Marion County. And the team has been, like, very, very cryptic about what sites they're looking at, very vague and very broad. Uh, so, in fact, I have really no inside information whatsoever. I've heard, like, a couple whispers, um, a couple rumors, but, like, nothing whatsoever, like, substantial enough to, to report. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the dark too, just like everyone else. But supposedly by the end of March, uh, we will finally find out the exact site of Eleven Park. That's fantastic. I cannot wait for that to happen, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have you and uh, Nipun to, to join me to talk about the uh, what's going to happen uh, with that uh, groundbreaking ceremony. But listen, Kevin, thank you very much for your time. I'm always appreciative of you coming on the show, and we'll have talk more in the 11 somewhere down the road. You have a good night. Be careful and be safe. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Take care, brother. Thank you. All right, you two take care. Kevin Johnston, Sock Takes, Indy Star, uh, reporter on soccer. Uh, once again, Indy 11, uh, very close to getting a new stadium uh, being announced, and uh, great to see them getting back to the IUPUI Mike Carroll Track and Field Soccer Stadium. Joining me right now, a gentleman brand new to the show, and, uh, of course, he is the head coach of this particular club that has uh, made a huge jump into USL League Two. He is the head coach of the King's Hammer Club, and this is Mr. Paul Nicholson, who joins me tonight to discuss that move. Paul, good evening, and how are you, sir? Good evening, Daniel. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. So this is a big move. You're moving into, I mean, you're still going to be considered fourth division, but um, you're making a move into the USL leagues, especially League Two. Obviously, uh, you're just a summertime uh, league here in uh, in the United Soccer Leagues, or shall I say, not really summer, but you know, you start the year, but you end it in the middle of a regular uh, American 
league seasons like USL Championship and League One, MLS. Making this move, do you think this will help those kids, those young players, boys and girls, uh, that are from the Cincinnati area and the uh, region as well? Uh, will this be a better, higher competition for your players? 100%. Um, and, and like you mentioned there, it is it is a summer league. Um, it it kind of coincides with uh, the youth schedule in regards to, you know, there's there's nothing really going on at that time. And I think it's a fantastic opportunity for them to um, potentially play on the team or train with the team, uh, but certainly come out and watch uh, high-level soccer. It's, you know, it's touted as the, the top pre-professional league um, in the country. So, you know, we, we're hoping to bring in high-quality players, not just from Cincinnati and the surrounding areas, but from all over the country to to come and show showcase themselves and, and get looks at the next level. So uh, we're excited. I think it's a, it's a fantastic move for the club in the area. Now, if you don't mind me asking, I know Kevin McCloskey. He is the analyst for FC Cincinnati um, on television yeah. in the area, in the region. Um, why is this club called King's Hammer? <laughs> That's a really good question, Daniel. Um, it, it started long before... Um, I was I was involved uh, with, with the club, um, and there was a merger between um, a club called Kings and, and another club called called Hammer. Uh, and this is you know kind of legend now. I <laughs> I hope I'm telling the story right, but they came together and, and merged um, probably about ten years ago now. I would say, um, and that's that's where the name came from. And they they kind of just put those two things together. I have no idea, you know, what a Kings Hammer is. But uh, that's that's uh, that's our club, so um, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> Do you not agree? Well, all I know is this: there's a king ruling the area, and he has got a hammer, and he'll use it if you go against him. So I think you got to be careful, Mister. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So no, hopefully we he, can do he uh, might... some really special things with an end. Absolutely. Just be careful. He might knight you the wrong way. So uh, watch what you say. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, you said uh, obviously it's been 10 years that this club has been uh, merged into one. Um, what is it to what, what what's so special with about Kevin uh, that him and you, you and him are together with this uh uh, club right now and to uh, you know obviously both of you have the passion for the sport uh, no doubt about it but you know what what makes it easy or even ha- uh, difficult to work with a guy like Kevin McCloskey I don't think there's there's not too much difficult about it I think we share a lot of the same um, the same ideas about the game uh, and what it should look like at different levels whether that's the USL 2 level or the or the youth level so um, you know, it's it's been easy from that standpoint. But me and me and Kevin go quite a long way back. Um, you know, when I first moved to Cincinnati in 2016, um, he he went out of his way to to help me. Uh, you know, with with my move, with with getting my feet underneath me, um, and, and get my family settled in the area. So obviously, you know, very grateful for that. And then obviously giving me a, a head start with the with the youth coaching in the area. Well, me and me and Kev go even further back than that with um we we went to the same school at different times so there's a little bit of history there so i think we've we've kind of shared a lot of the 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 same experiences 
uh, in our time in the States. And, you know, um, like I said, it's, 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 it's not difficult at all. He, he has high standards. I have high standards. Um, and we have a lot of ambition for where we think this club can go. So um, it's, it's a pleasure to go and work with him every single day and, you know, continue to push this club forward. Ah, it sounds great. Uh, what type of style do you use for your players uh, to go out and uh, compete in, in this league? It's In, in the USL2, so I, I've got a, a few years of experience prior to King's Hammer um, uh, t- taking over, over that realm and, and getting involved in the league. And, um, you know, again, that fits very much into what we try and do with King's Hammer. We want to we play an attractive style of soccer. We want to... Um, we want to dominate possession. I think that's something that's really important when you're playing, you know, from May to May to the end of July in the, in the really hottest time of the of the year. You want to control that ball. You want to you want to be dictating uh, how the game's going, not only you know when you're in possession, but also when you're out of possession. So, um, you know, that's that's obviously important. We want what we do with our USL2 team to to really mirror what we're doing with the youth side. Um, so it's a good example for for our kids to come and watch. Uh, and learn from because that that was a big driving factor in why we we made this jump was to give our families something to you know not only to aspire to uh, and hopefully one day come and play for the for our first team so to speak um, but also to come and, and watch and see okay well I, I'm playing right back for our under 13 team what what's the right back doing for our first team right now and how can I learn from from some of these top uh, you know whether they're college players or uh, aspiring professional players uh, in our USL2 group. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's it in a nutshell. We wanna we wanna make sure we're putting on a good show for for everybody that that comes to watch us. Which uh, division will this club be? Will this excuse me? Will this club be playing in? I'm assuming you'll be in the same division with the Dutch Lions. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we're in the Great Lakes uh, division. We play Dayton Dutch Lions. Um, that's certainly our closest game. Uh, Toledo's a couple of hours away from us as well, so that'll be a, um, another little local rivalry. And, and there's the Michigan Bucks, who are the former, um, or the reigning, I should say, champions. It's a little bit strange, you know. They won it in 2019, 2020 was was squashed, uh, but they are the reigning champions, and they'll be very competitive. And um, you know, my my history in this division. Has, has proven that there's no easy game. So we're looking forward to the 21, 21 season, but we know it's not going to be easy. And, you know, my job is to put a team together that's that's going to compete and do well. So we're excited for it. Oh, I bet you are. I mean, once again, you got the Dutch Lions running two clubs, uh, Cincinnati Dutch Lions, uh, Dayton Dutch Lions, Flint City Bucks, AFC Ann Arbor, South Bend uh, Lions, Oakland County FC, Grand Rapids, and, of course, the dreaded, Louisville City under 23s. You know for a fact that <laughs> that rivalry between uh, just along the Ohio River between Kentucky and Ohio, Cincy and Louisville, there's going to be blood, my friend. You got to be careful there, but still though, <laughs> that's that's the big rivalry. Yeah, this I mean so so just to give you a little bit of background, the um Louisville under 23s won actually they're not competing this season so they're going to come back into the league in 2022 so unfortunately there'll be no bloodshed for another uh, another year after this but you know that's definitely something that we're looking forward to you know those guys have got a 
a fantastic setup down there. But there's, you know, it's no secret that, you know, Cincinnati and Louisville have had some battles in the past at different levels of the USL and um, and even, you know, in their time in the MLS. I think they might have caught them a couple of times in the Open Cup. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be a really good test, and, and I'm sure when they do come into the league, it's going to be. Um, you know, something that strengthens our conference even more. So excited for it. And, you know, well, you know, you compare Louisville, Dayton, Toledo, all these teams are, you know, within a couple of hours. And uh, I think that's, again, something that the fans can really grasp, grasp hold of. The families uh, within our club can grasp hold of and, and get excited about it. So um, it's the more competition, the more local competition, the better for us, I think. What would that mean for you? I mean, we know what Kevin has seen with FC Cincinnati with their Open Cup run uh, back in 2018, got stopped in the semifinals by the New York Red Bulls back over um, at the yeah, stadium. But, you, but that, you? you know, <laughs> I, hey, listen, look, look, look. What are you going to do when there's Bradley Wright Phillips on the pitch and he buries two balls that were fantastic. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, and plus, were. he doesn't even use. I know, either, but we nearly had He doesn't guys. use either of his feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty special that night. He really was. He was special. That yeah. was um, that was some game and that was some run. And if we can if we can emulate something like that with, you know, obviously uh, to get to the semifinal might be. Maybe maybe I'm being pessimistic and being typically English, but uh, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. But if we can get, you know, one or two games in a, in an open cup run like that, I think that would be, you know, a magnificent achievement for for our club and really put us on the map. So, um, you know, hopefully by that time Bradley Wright Phillips is is long gone and we don't have to run into him, and maybe we'll have a chance of. That's that's very true. Um, but let me just ask you this question. Obviously, as you said you're being English. What does the FA Cup mean to you? And when you watch the Open Cup here in the States, what would that mean for you personally to manage a side? doesn't matter what round it is, the early round, the middle round, the late round. You know, what would that mean to you to be involved as a, as a manager or a head coach to take your club into a deep Open Cup run or just even get into the opening round? There's, I mean, it would mean it would mean a lot. It it really would, and I certainly don't want to count my chickens. But there's a couple of goals that we have, you know, as a club. We obviously want to develop the players and and try and get them to the next level and help them become professionals and um, you know move, move them on to to bigger and better things. We we want to try and compete for a championship, and hopefully we're we're able to do that. But to get a good run in the Open Cup is is for so many different reasons. Um, is is massive you know i grew up in a country with the fa cup and the open cup's no different it gives every single club in the entire country an opportunity to to compete um against each other and and with some of the very best and i think you know you probably agree it you know everyone loves a an underdog story and and we just hope with something like that that we get the opportunity to to be that underdog to go against some of the big guns in the country whether that's a USL League 1 uh, championship or even an MLS club in the future would be would be so special and i think it's something that would really you know grasp the city and we've already seen the impact that that can have um in this area so we're just you know we we got to work hard we got a lot of we got a lot of work to do before we we can say that we haven't even kicked the ball yet but i think um, something like that would be would be incredible for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the day does come that uh, King's Hammer 
takes on FC Cincinnati at the brand new Cincy Stadium. Kevin McCloskey is looking up from the uh, from from the uh, broadcast booth, and what's he gonna do? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, well, I, I I'm pretty sure where his loyalties would lie, but uh, you know that'd be a pretty tough call. Um, I think he's. It'd be a tough one. That's definitely a question you should ask him. But I think <laughs> that would be uh, that would be a good listen, uh, definitely. And I mean, my gosh, what 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 an opportunity that could be for um, you know, not just for us as a club, but for the entire city to see something like that would be would be absolutely incredible. Um, but I have no clue how Kev would call it. <laughs> <laughs> His heart would be pounding. That's for sure. I think you're gonna have to call the doctor. <laughs> yeah, we would. Can you continue, Absolutely. Kevin? Can you continue? I don't think my heart's in it. <laughs> uh, no, Kevin's struggled. great, though. He's I've, I've met Kevin. He's been on. Yeah, yeah. No, Kevin's great. I, yeah, I've had he, him on my he, show. He, I've I've met him. He's wonderful. Yeah, he's, he, he is really good. I think the one the one quality that he's he's got is not he's not afraid to. To, to put his fingers in anything, you know, like the the things he's done with this with the youth club since I've been involved over the past sort of five or six years have been absolutely remarkable. But then you see him, you know, jumping in and doing commentary and doing so well with that. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a good example to have and someone to work with every day. It's it's um, it, it's it's great to to be around that kind of person that's not afraid to go and and get outside his comfort zone for sure. So definitely a good role model. Definitely he is. Paul, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Hope to have you back on. Uh, if your club does make it to the Open Cup, would love to have you on to talk about uh, the match. So uh, all I can Absolutely. say is have a good evening. Thank you very much. Please remain strong and vigilant through this pandemic, and I know we're going to get rid of it soon. But uh, you have a good night, and thank you for your time. Absolutely, Daniel. You too. Thank you. Paul Nicholson, the head Thanks, coach man. of the Kings. Thank you. The head coach of the Kings Hammer Club, as they're in Cincinnati, as they have made the leap into USL League Two. So this is going to be uh, something special to see and uh, cannot wait to see what's going to happen here um, with this club in USL League Two. And hopefully everyone in Cincinnati will be enjoying what they'll be bringing uh, in USL League Two this season. But um, just to remind all of you, in two weeks is episode number 500 of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. That show, which will be on Monday, March 8th, will be a fun show. It will be uh, taking care of every one of you because it's going to be fun. It's going to be filled with laughs, with uh, things that none of us probably ever heard of before, and who knows what it will be. Because, you know, it's going to be filled with football talk, soccer talk, from many, many people. Obviously, former Fox soccer analyst Gary Richards will be joining me. Carter Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk will be joining me. And we're going to have some special guests. Yes, we're going to have some special guests right now. I've rounded up one of them and um, not going to say who they are as of right now. It's going to be a mystery. 
I want all of you to uh, be surprised when I inform you on that night who will be joining us on the show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be exciting. We are going to uh, get some wild and crazy and wacky stories from all parts of the country and all parts of the world. Because, boy, do I have some whoppers to tell all of you. You might have heard some of them before, but you know what? I do not care because maybe new people listening to the show, they haven't heard it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But with the special guests, that's for me to, you, that's for me to know and for them and you to find out when they call in. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. You know, I try my best to, you know, have some fun. But, of course, when we have to be serious. So it's going to be a lot of fun to have the shows going, uh, to talk about what's happening. This is going to be the best show ever. This is currently episode number 498. Next Monday in March 1st will be episode 499, and then episode 500 will be the special one. Not Jose Mourinho. I wish it would be him, but he'd be asleep by then because obviously of the time difference. But you never know. I would love to get uh, many, many people to join and many, many people to have some fun. So it's going to be exciting in two weeks. I personally cannot wait to have all of you listen in, do yourself a favor, get your snacks, popcorn, pizza, hot dogs, corn dogs, get your waters, seltzers, your beers, your liqueurs. If you want to drink soda, have a soda. It's fine. It's okay. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be tons of fun. And I cannot wait to come on over and have all of you share in the fun of episode number 500 of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. This show has been on internet radio for 12 years. And while some have come and go, come and gone, some have stayed for a longevity, the truth is this show, this particular show, is going to be the best, the best of the best. That I've ever done. Because we're going to just sit back. Relax. And we're going to have fun. And we're going to kill it. Absolutely we're going to kill it. And it's going to be lit. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And I hope all of you uh, will enjoy the show. It will be a two hour show. We'll see how long. These marathon runners can last. If they'll make it through the full two hours. 
get yourself a pint. Get yourself a glass of Chardonnay. Get yourself anything you want. Male, female, boy, girl, dog, cat, I don't care. Do not care at all. We are going to have some fun, and we are going to have some laughs, and we will be doing jokes and other things. This is going to be exciting. I cannot wait. So all I can tell all of you is this. Enjoy yourselves. We're always so serious. Football is a serious game. Soccer is a serious game. And I understand that. But once again, it's going to be a lot better. A lot better when you hear the stories from these guys. This is going to be excellent. This is going to be a lot of fun. And that's why I want to bring all of you with me on the fun. I want to bring all of you with me on this special occasion. Because we are going to have ourselves a hell of a time. A hell of a good time. Come and join me, folks. Come and join me. Because we are going to enjoy ourselves. This is going to be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say thank you to my guests tonight, Kevin Johnston, Sock Takes, and of course the Indianapolis Star Sports Reporter covering Indy uh, 11, uh, Paul Nicholson, head coach of the Kings Hammer uh, USL League 2 Club, as they get ready to go out and have some fun and do a job. It's going to be great. Uh, next week, we're going to have another episode 499 of the Forestines Fire American Soccer Show. And then, of course, the USL, excuse me, the NPSL Soccer Show next Friday. Guests are being lined up. We already got two lined up. We'll let you know next week uh, who is coming on. But once again, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. So as always, please enjoy your football. We're finally getting fans back into our stadiums here in the north. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.